Hello, greetings, friends, family. I hope that you are well. It is the weekend of Sunday, September the 10th. We are in the Gospel of Mark. We're in chapter 1, and today we're going to look at verses 12 through 13, just 12 and 13, two verses. And we're discussing and looking at the fact that Jesus has authority over Satan. Following Jesus equals adversary, adversity. Albert Einstein, Albert Einstein once said, adversity introduces a person to himself. And when we go through adversity, we find out what we really are made of and what we truly believe. Do we believe what we say we believe? When we go through adversity, we need to remember 2 Corinthians 4, 8 through 9, which says, we are pressed on every side by troubles, but we're not crushed. We're perplexed, but not driven to despair. We're hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down but we are not destroyed. The devil is going to come along and he's going he's gonna to huff and puff and try to blow our house down, so to speak. And there, there are going to be times when we feel pressure from all of the different troubles in life. We feel perplexed. We confused about what God is doing or, or maybe what he seems like he's not doing. And we, and we feel like we're perhaps being left alone by God. And then there are those times when we get knocked down and the wind gets knocked out of us. But but we're not crushed. We will, we will not be driven by despair. We're not abandoned by God, and we will not be destroyed. Because we are in Christ, we are in Jesus, the best is always yet to come. Will life be easy? No. We are in a battle. We have an enemy that loves to steal, kill, and destroy. He likes to do that about everything that honors God. First Peter chapter five says, stay alert, watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. That's verses eight and nine of chapter five. The devil is after us. He is wanting to destroy anything and anyone that honors Jesus. This battle has been going on way before we were ever born. As a matter of fact, as soon as Jesus was baptized and the Holy Spirit descended on him like a dove, as we talked about last week, and the Heavenly Father said, you are my dearly loved son and you bring me great joy, the Spirit of God led Jesus into the wilderness where he would battle the devil face to face. Mark 1, 12 through 13 says, the Spirit then compelled Jesus to go into the wilderness where he was tempted by Satan for 40 days. He was out among the wild animals and the angels took care of him. And here we see some lessons for life and some truths about Jesus that we need to hold on tightly. We need to remind ourselves of. First of all, the Spirit. And verse 12 begins with two words, the Spirit. This is referring to the Holy Spirit. Luke 4, 1 gives us a little more insight when it says, then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River, and he was led by the Spirit in the wilderness. Being filled with the Holy Spirit, Jesus fully submitted himself to the Spirit's control. The Holy Spirit was given to each of us and is given to each of us and guides us and helps us through life. According to Galatians 5.22, when we are full of the Holy Spirit, our life produces things. It produces things like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, regardless of the situation or circumstance. And that's exactly what we're going to see Jesus doing throughout the Gospel of Mark. Another word we need to look at is this word compelled. Mark goes on to say the Spirit then compelled Jesus to go into the wilderness. The word compelled or ekbalo is 
a forceful word. It means to drive out or to force one to depart. This does not imply that Jesus was resistant to the Spirit's leading. It it refers to more of, of, of a holy urge, a holy drive, a holy force that's like a call that can't be resisted. The Holy Spirit was compelling Jesus to go to the wilderness. And let's look at that, go into the wilderness. Mark says, goes on to say, the Spirit then compelled Jesus to go into the wilderness. The wilderness, well, it's a place of desolation where Jesus was removed from people and provision. In a very short period of time, his circumstances had dramatically changed. Jesus felt uh, this compulsion from the Holy Spirit to plunge further into the wilderness to duel Satan. Heaven had opened and now hell is opened. And, and during biblical times, people saw the wilderness as a place of danger, a, a place of um, to be avoided, a place of demons. The mention of wild animals sort of underscores this idea. The wilderness was a place of loneliness, danger. It would almost be seen as kind of the realm, if you will, of Satan. Where he was tempted by Satan for 40 days. Mark goes on to say, The Spirit then compelled Jesus to go into the wilderness where he was tempted by Satan for 40 days. This encounter between Jesus and Satan was the greatest combat that's ever taken place on the face of the earth and by, and, and by far the most important. If Jesus had failed at any point, we would have no hope of resisting temptation or of receiving salvation. Jesus was and is victorious. Within God's purposes, it was necessary for Jesus to be tempted by Satan to himself, to confront the devil face to face, to defeat him. The word tempted, periazo, is, is a morally neutral term that simply means to test. The, 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 this is a morally neutral term. It, it, the testing can be either good or, or evil, depending on the intention of the one devising the test. And because Satan is the one doing the testing in this instance, it is a temptation. Although the Spirit led Jesus to the place where he would be tempted, it's important to, to understand that God is never the tempter. James 1.13 is very clear that God cannot tempt anyone. It's like this. We are saved and God leads us into a ministry to help others. And while helping others, we are going to encounter testings, temptations, while doing that ministry, it will, it will be up to us regarding how we respond. God led us into ministry, into that combat, into the spiritual warfare over the lives of others. And just because we encounter temptations does not mean that God has led us into temptation. He does not. God allowed his son, Jesus, to be tested for the sole purpose that through his and because of his victory, Jesus might demonstrate that he has absolute power and authority over the devil's devices, his tools. Mark only summarized what happened with his statement, but Matthew and Luke give greater detail into this encounter. And as we'll see, each, each round of spiritual combat between Jesus and the devil show us three main areas that Satan will confront us on as well. So as we take a brief look, the devil will challenge us on the will of God. First, the devil will challenge us regarding the will of God. He's going to try to get us to step out of the will of God in any area of our life. Matthew 4, 3 says, During that time the devil came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus told him, No, the Scriptures say people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. That Satan is telling Jesus that his physical needs and comfort, his comfort, 
are more important than the will of God. The devil's saying, hey, Jesus, I know you're hungry, and I know that you can turn these stones that look like bread into real bread, so do it. Make your life easier. Satan was trying to get Jesus to use his divine power for selfish reasons. This devil was using a basic need like hunger and food to get Jesus to abandon God's plan. Well, Satan is doing the same thing or trying to do the same thing with us. The devil is trying to get us to believe that our happiness, that our comfort is more important than God's plan. Our comfort is more important than God's will. Our needs trumps whatever God is doing. The enemy will use whatever he can to distract us from the will of God. And there are always going to be some very basic things like relationships, money, stuff, comfort. The devil is saying, I know you want, I know what you want, and you can have it if you don't have to get it God's way. Do it my way. It'd be easier, quicker. It's a battle over the will of God. Are we going to do it God's way or take a shortcut and do it ours? And what was people's response to this? Jesus told, well, excuse me, what was Jesus's response to this? Well, he told Satan, people don't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. In other words, what God wants is more important than what I want. His plan trumps my plan. I'm, I'm going to live by his word, not my wants, which takes us to number two. The devil will challenge us on the word of God. He's going to challenge us on the word of God. Let's say we're in a relationship with Jesus, with God. We're reading his word. We're growing spiritually. We're trying to, to base our life uh, and decisions on what God's word says. Well, Satan is going to come along and try to use that against us. This is this is Jesus' second battle with the, with devil, with the devil. And, and, and listen to what Matthew 4 says. It says this. It says, The devil took him to the holy city of Jerusalem to the highest point of the temple and said, If you are the Son of God, jump off. Because the scriptures say, the Bible says, he, he will order his angels to protect you, and they will hold you up with their hands so that you, you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. You won't even stub your toe. And Jesus responded, the scriptures also say, you must not test the Lord your God. It's, it's a direct battle over the word of God. And at the end of the first challenge, Jesus quoted God's word to Satan. So Satan says, okay, since you intend to live by God's word, let me quote you a verse of scripture and see if you'll obey it. So, so Satan took Jesus to the highest point of the temple and told him to jump off to do something miraculous so people can see and let them see God do a miracle for you, then they will know how great God is and that you're the son of God. Trying to convince Jesus to do this selfish act that's out of the will of God, Satan quoted from Psalm 91, 11 through 12, where God promised to care for his own. So let's take a look at that scripture that the devil is quoting. The actual verse Satan quoted is Psalm 91, 11 through 12, which says this, for he will order his angels to protect you wherever you go. They will hold you up with their hands so that you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. He quoted Psalm 91 perfectly, perfectly, except for three little words, wherever you go. Based on the context of Psalm 91, those three words mean wherever you go within the will of a holy God. You see, when we are doing what God wants us to do, God is going to protect us. What the devil is trying to do is to get Jesus to do something out of the will of God, but to camouflage it as if it came from God. He quotes Psalm 91, 11 through 12, in a way exactly opposite to the original meaning. Psalm 91 is exhorting us to trust in God, and Satan attempts to replace trust with a test, casting doubt on God's faithfulness and his word. 
It's why it's important to know God's word. Satan will use the word of God to confuse us and to mislead us. He will test and twist God's word and water it down for us so that to, to think that we're, we are living by God's word when in reality we're not. Jesus responded by saying, hey, the scriptures also say you must not test the Lord your God. Jesus knows what the devil is doing. So Jesus reminds Satan that we should make sure we have good understanding of God's word for our lives. This is a battle for the word of God. Satan will do whatever he can to get us to misapply God's word, to misunderstand God's word, or just to simply ignore it altogether. The devil will challenge us on the worship of God. This is the third challenge here. On the very worship of God. Matthew 4, 8 says, Next the devil took him to a peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. Hey, I'll give it all to you, he said, if you kneel down and worship me. Get out of here, Satan, Jesus told him. For the scriptures say you must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. It deals with the battle of the worship of God and who is ultimately in charge. The enemy is saying, I can give you all you want and deserve, but you have to do it my way. Just ignore God. My way is easier, and you don't have to suffer to get it. If you follow me, I can give you everything you want. And at this point, Jesus has had enough and says, hey, just get out of here, Satan. The scriptures say you must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And here's the point. Whatever it is that we adore, whatever we focus on, whatever consumes our thoughts and our heart is what we worship and eventually serve. Whatever we make number one in our life is what we're going to serve. This is why it's so important to make sure that we are a worshiper who worships God in spirit and in truth. Luke gives us a little more insight at the end of the test. In Luke 14, 4.13 says, When the devil had finished tempting Jesus, he left him until the next opportunity came. So fighting the devil's schemes, temptation, traps, and devices is a lifelong battle. He is relentless. Just like with Jesus, Satan will look for another opportunity to devour. But back to Mark chapter 1, 12-13 in this last phrase here, and the angels took care of him. The spirit was compelled Jesus, compelled Jesus to go into the wilderness where he was tempted by Satan for 40 days. He was out among the wild animals and the angels took care of him. When, when it was all over with, the angels took care of Jesus. They ministered to him. They brought him food. They gave him encouragement. And I think that's to say that whatever we go through, whenever we go through a difficult time of testing, God is going to take care of us. He may, he may send an angel. We may not be aware of it. Or he may place us in fellowship or with people in our life that love on us, that bless us, serve us, bless us in different ways. So as we kind of wrap this up, 1 Peter 5, 8 says, Stay alert, watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him. Be strong in your faith. We, we're in a battle. Our greatest weapons are the will of God, the word of God, and the worship of God. Then 2 Corinthians 4, 8 through 9 says, we're pressed on every side but by troubles, but we're not crushed. We're, we're perplexed, but not driven to despair. We're hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we're not destroyed. When we fall, don't give up, but, but get up. When we feel the pressure from troubles in life, we have to understand and know that, that greater is he that is in us than it is that in the world. We, we will feel abandoned. Remind ourselves that God says, I will never leave you or forsake you. Stay faithful, stay strong, stay encouraged.
Amen. And God bless.